Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. Are you ready for the Word of God this morning? I want to take some time today in the closing of this series to teach. There's going to be a lot of scripture. You'll be able to follow along on the screen. And then I would encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast or watch the video on YouTube so that you can allow this sermon to get inside of your heart. How many of you know that the seed of the word is only beneficial if it's planted into good soil? And then you have to tend that garden for that seed to mature and to grow. And so it's not enough to just hear a message once. It is something that we need to rehearse. It's something that we need to hear over and over again until it becomes a part of who we are. And so today we're going to be closing out our series called Riddle Me This. It's the cautionary tale of Samson. This whole month we've been looking at his weakness. We've been looking at the mistakes he made so that we can avoid them. How many of you know it's good to learn the lesson from somebody else versus learning it from yourself? And also, there's no such thing as a bad example because you can learn from everyone. If you have wisdom, you will learn from every single person. No such thing as a bad example. But today, I want to shift gears, and instead of looking at Samson's weakness, I want to talk about his strength because Samson had incredible strength. I mean, this is a man who picked a fight with a lion and won. He picks a fight with a lion and with his bare hands rips the lion in two. That's some incredible strength. Samson was a bad dude. There's another time in scripture where it says that he rips the gates of the city out of the ground. Now, sometimes like when we think about it, we're like, okay, well, he went and grabbed the front door and picked it up. I've done that too. No, no, no. I was looking at this morning. Some scholars believe that the gates of that city weighed four tons. And then he possibly carried those gates because it said he carried them to the top of the hill. It was a possible 37-mile journey that he carried these gates that weighed four tons. Turn to the person next to you and say, Samson was tough. He uh, encounters a 1,000 bad guys one day, and he takes the jawbone of a donkey and kills them all. I mean, Samson, when you read through Scripture, like, you'll see people accomplish some amazing things, but... Samson was like the closest to what you would consider a superhero as it could actually be. And when we think about Samson, a lot of times we think that he's like incredibly physically fit. You know, many times you think that he would look a lot like me with long hair. We, we think that Samson spent all of his time in the gym and took all the right supplements and ate all the right food, and this guy must have been jacked, like bigger than Arnold Schwarzenegger jacked. But that's not necessarily the case because the source of Samson's strength was not a gym. It was not a supplement. It actually started before he was even born. God comes to his mom and dad and tells them, you're going to have a son, and I'm going to use him to deliver Israel from their oppressors, the Philistines. And watch what the Bible says in Judges, the 13th chapter, verse 24. It says, and the woman bore a son and called his name, say it with me, Samson. And the young man grew and the Lord blessed him. 
And the Spirit of the Lord, catch this, and the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him and Maniadan between Zorah and Estal. The, the, the secret of Samson's strength was the Spirit of the Lord that would come upon him to accomplish his task. And here's the big idea that I want you to grasp hold of, is that if God has called you to something, he will give you the ability and the resources you need to accomplish it. So if you feel like God is moving you in a direction and asking you to do something, never move in fear. Move in faith knowing that he will bring the resources, he will bring the strength, he will bring the wisdom, he will bring anything you need to accomplish it if he has called you to it. That's why it is so important to be led by the Spirit and understand his design for your life over your desires. Because God has... uh, is not required to empower your desire. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Many times we think like, well, if I want to do this and I just step out, God will be with me in it. That's not necessarily the case. It is only when God is calling you to something that he is required to resource it for you. There was a man who was a part of a ministry and he was wanting to build an extra wing on a building to expand the ministry. And when he took it before the board, the board said, no way, we're not going to do that. But this guy knew this, this is something that God is asking us to do. This is something that God desires so that we can expand the ministry and reach more people. And so he began to pray. And he would go out to this field that was covered in snow. And every morning he would pray in the spirit. And he would begin to declare God's word. Well, As the season passed and it became springtime, the snow began to melt and he noticed something sticking out of the snow. And so he went and he dug around and uncovered it and lo and behold, there was steel there. The kind of steel that you would need for a building. And so he calls the authorities and asks, like, has any steel been reported stolen? Has uh, a truck transporting steel gone missing? They all said no. And so he decided, this must be my steel. So he gets a truck. A friend of his has a a, a large truck. They load up all the steel. They bring it to their location. And when they start cutting the steel, it was the exact measurements they needed to the inch to build the building that they needed to build. And God told the man, he said, every day that you were out there praying in the spirit, I was creating the steel that you need to accomplish the task I've called you to accomplish. What I'm wanting you to know is if God has called you to it, he will empower you for it. He, know, he never asks you to do something that he's not going to come alongside you and give you the ability to do it. And you may be saying, do, do you really believe God does that? Yes, absolutely, 100%. I believe that God does that. As a matter of fact, every person in history that has accomplished anything great for God has done it because they partnered with the Spirit of God. Noah built a very large vessel to float on water. Did you know he was not a boat builder? Did you know he did not go to college to get a degree in boat design? He did it through the wisdom of of the Holy Spirit. Moses, all of the miracles that Moses performed, he did through the power of 
the Holy Spirit. When it came to building the tabernacle, which would have been an overwhelming task, God tells him in Exodus, the 31st chapter, he says, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood, to work every craft. And behold, I have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ashamach, of the tribe of Dan, and I have given to all able men ability, that they may all make all that I have commanded you." So you can see here, it is the Spirit of God that gives them the ability to accomplish what God has asked them to do. Samson's strength was supernatural. It was not by any natural means. It was because the Spirit of God would come upon him and stir him for the task. It is important to understand as we move forward in this message that you are not the source. Many times we get caught up in pride because we think that we are the source of everything that we have. That's why sometimes it's difficult for people to participate in the act of worship when it comes to giving because they believe that they are the source of their income. Well, you know, I put on my, I put on my boots one at a time and I pull my pants up, get on them up, bless God, and I go to work and I work hard. Let me ask you this, who gave you them legs to go work on? Well, I got an incredible mind. Who gave you that mind? See, God is the source. That's right, Nora. God is the source. Hey, girl, you and I have preached this sermon together. You know what I'm saying? Get the rest of these people saved. Turn them into Pentecostals too. God is the source of every good thing you are not. On your own, you're limit, you are limited. With God, you are limitless and all things become possible to you. Even Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Scripture says in Matthew 3, 16, and when Jesus was baptized, get this, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw, what did he see? The Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. It was the Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus for his mission. Now get this, Jesus was fully God and fully human at the same time. He is the God who created all things. He is the God who spoke all things into existence. But according to first, uh, the book of John, the first chapter, the word of God became flesh and now dwells amongst us. And he actually chose to not live out of his divinity, but he chose to live as a son in right relationship with the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit so that he can be the example to us of the life that we can live. Are you following what I'm saying? Jesus was filled with the Spirit and everything good that he accomplished on this earth was because of the Spirit of God that was on the inside of of him. Luke 4 verse 1 says, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was 
led by the Spirit in the wilderness. So Jesus was filled by the Spirit, and now we see that he was led by the Spirit. Luke 4, 14 says, and Jesus returned in the what? Power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out throughout the surrounding country. Luke 4.18, look what Jesus says about himself. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The point is we all need the Holy Spirit. Turn the person next to you and say, you need the Holy Spirit. It is God inside of us that does his will and accomplishes it. It is God who works inside of us, the Bible says, both to will and do of his good pleasure. The Holy Spirit shows you what his good pleasure is and then gives you the ability to accomplish it. It is the Spirit of God. Somebody say, it's the Spirit of God that gives me the ability. Before Jesus ascended into heaven after his resurrection, he's talking with his disciples and he tells them to go and wait for the Holy Spirit. He says, you don't need to go out and start trying to do ministry right now. You need to wait for the Holy Spirit because when the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive what? power to be my witnesses in other words there's going to be some power you need to accomplish the task of transforming the world you can't do it on your own even though you've walked with me you've heard my sermons you could probably repeat my sermons you're not going to have power unless the holy spirit is upon you listen it does not matter how much head knowledge you have it does not matter how much scriptural knowledge you have. You could go to school and get a degree in theology, but unless you have the Holy Spirit, you will not accomplish anything great. Paul says about himself, he says, you know, when I come and preach to you, I'm not trying to bring like these big impressive words. I've decided that what I want to bring is demonstration and power because it is power that will change things. I mean, I don't know about you, but sometimes you go to church and you hear somebody talk about being set free. I don't want to just hear about being set free. I want to encounter, encounter the power that actually sets me free. I don't want to just talk about healing. I want to encounter the, the power to get health. I don't want to just talk about living in the provision of God. I want to understand the God that gives me the power, the Bible says, to get wealth. It is all about the Holy Spirit. God's design for your life is the best design for your life. That's the tagline of this whole series. But know this, God's design for your life is the Spirit-filled life. Today, I want to spend the remainder of our time looking at the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to us so that we can accomplish His will for our life. There are three main questions that I want to answer today. First is, what are the gifts? You'd be surprised how many Christians don't know what the gifts are. You say, hey, tell me about the gifts of the Spirit. And they'll say, love, joy, peace. No, that's not the gifts of the Spirit. That is the fruit of the Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit produces those in your life so that that deals with Christian character. You understand? So this is, this is how Jesus wants me to live, and so the Holy Spirit produces those characteristics inside of me that I cannot produce on my own. That's the fruit of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are what he gives us to empower us to do the work that Jesus did. How many of you know we are the hands and feet of Jesus Christ here on this earth? And if he needed the power of the Spirit to accomplish it, then we need the power of the Spirit to accomplish his work here. So what are the gifts? Are they still relevant? Are you sure? And who are they available to? Because I don't, I don't want to talk about anything that's not available to me. You know what I'm saying? So if this isn't for me, I don't want to waste my time. So let's, let's answer these questions. What are the gifts? Are they still available? And who are they available to? Let's start in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. Paul is addressing some issues and questions that have come from the Corinthian church. And in the 12th chapter, he's going to start dealing with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He starts off in verse 1 saying, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers. I do not want you to be uninformed. The problem that we have when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit is many of us are either uninformed or even worse, we are misinformed. We've been taught things that are not true and there are traditions that have been passed on from generation to generation to generation to us and it's been told to us that it's true but it is not. We have denominations within the body of Christ that fight one another over the gifts of the Spirit. Some say they're relevant. Some say they're not. Some say the gifts are good. Some say the gifts are evil. And it has caused all kinds of division. And the gifts were not meant to divide. The gifts were meant to unify. The gifts were meant to bring us together. All through Scripture, you will see that the purpose of the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to us is to build up the church. That is why the enemy has worked so hard to bring controversy to the gifts, because he understands if the body of Christ will start working through the power of Christ and the gifts of the Spirit, we will destroy his kingdom. It freaks him out. It... It does not bother the devil for you to go to church and attend a gathering. What bothers him is when you begin to understand who you are in Christ and that you have the Spirit of God living on the inside of you. That freaks him out because he cannot handle it. He knows that you will walk all over darkness. Some people have even gone as far as saying that the gifts of the Spirit are the work of demons. Anybody ever heard that before growing up in church anywhere or somebody told you, like, got to be careful with that stuff because you could, you could accidentally get a demon on the inside of you and it could be a demon doing all that stuff. Jesus actually encountered that in Mark, the third chapter. Watch this, Mark 3.22. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem, these were the religious people. These were the people who thought they knew God because of all their learning and study of Scripture. But it's amazing to me that through all their study of Scripture, they missed the one that Scripture was about. Right. 
Jesus even tells him that. He says, you've, you've studied all this scripture, and yet you haven't found me, and it's all about me. I wonder how many of us today are missing what God is wanting to do in the earth because of our ignorance or our misinformation. So watch this. The scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, Jesus is possessed by Beelzebul. And by the prince of demons, he cast out demons. And he called to them and said to them in parables, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. Truly I say to you, this is heavy. Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man. And whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit has never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying... Here was, the, here was the sin. For they were saying he has an unclean spirit. Don't criticize what you don't understand. It's okay to not understand some things, okay? Like there's things through Scripture that I read that I don't necessarily have an understanding of. But instead of criticizing it, I'll lean into it and I'll try to see, God, what are you saying? What are you trying to show me through this? So it's okay to not understand. Just don't criticize what you don't understand. Get an educated background. Allow the Spirit of God to show you what's going on. Every gift from God is good. The Holy Spirit is a gift from God. Every good gift comes from the Father above. So the Holy Spirit has to be what? Good. Man, y'all are doing great this morning. So this is the, Paul, this is the tone that Paul is starting his, chapter 12 with. And he's doing this because of the confusion surrounding the gifts, especially the gifts of tongues, which he addresses in the new, next few verses. Verse 2, he says, You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God, ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. The ESV commentary on this says this, Because of their background in pagan worship services, some Corinthians may have had concerns about speech gifts empowered by the Holy Spirit in the church. Paul first assures them that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And therefore, they should not worry that Christians who speak in tongues might be uttering blasphemous things. And also, no one can say in genuine faith that Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Did you know that you cannot even recognize that Jesus is the Savior of the world without the power of the Holy Spirit revealing that to you? If you have given your life to Jesus Christ, it is because the Holy Spirit has touched your heart and said, allow Jesus to come in. So he says, you, uh, you can't profess faith in Christ 
unless you have the Holy Spirit within you. And none should be excluded, for they all have valuable gifts for the benefit of the church. Now let's go on to verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts. Somebody say there's a bunch of them. But it's the same spirit. There's a lot of different gifts, but it's the same spirit. There are varieties of services, but it's all the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in, what's the next word? Everyone. To each. How many of you in this room are in each? All right, so let's, let's, this applies to you. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So why, why the gifts? Paul says it. Here's, here's what the gifts are, but why? For the common good. In other words, the Holy Spirit will give me something that will benefit you. The Holy Spirit will give you something that will benefit me so that we can build one another up and the church gets stronger. So the gifts are there for our good and for our building up. Now in verses 8 through 10, he's going to list the spiritual gifts, and there are nine of them. Instead of reading through these these verses, I want to break them into categories for you just to make them a little bit easier to understand. So the first category is this, the discerning gifts. Somebody say the discerning gifts. They are the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. The word of wisdom is a divine revelation. Now, please pay attention to what I'm saying. The word of wisdom is a divine revelation for a current or future situation. In other words, the Holy Spirit may show you something that is going to happen and give you the wisdom to handle it. One illustration of this is found in Billy Graham's book, Just as I am, he says, sometime toward the end of the second week in November of 1963, I unaccountably felt such a burden about the presidential visit to Dallas that I decided to phone our mutual friend, Senator George Smathers, to tell him I really wanted to talk to the president. His secretary told me Senator Smathers was on the Senate floor and would call me back. Instead, he sent a telegram that the president would get in touch with me directly. He thought I wanted to talk about the president's invitation to another golf game in Florida that weekend. The game was off, he said. It would have to be rescheduled. But all I wanted to tell him and the president was one thing. Don't go to Texas. That's an example of the word of wisdom. God showed Billy Graham what was going to happen to President Kennedy in Texas, and, and Billy Graham tried to warn the president, but the message didn't get through. So the Holy Spirit will give us wisdom, supernatural wisdom for the moment or for a current situation. It can also be supernatural wisdom for a problem because if the Holy Spirit is inside of us, we can have wisdom for all things. How many of you have ever encountered a problem that you don't have an answer for? Guess what? The Holy Spirit does. He knows all things. He is the God who knows all things. He lives inside of you and he wants to reveal some things to you. 
Understanding this will enhance our prayer life because the Bible teaches in the book of James that we have the ability and the right as children of God to ask for wisdom. When we pray, we should say, Father, give us wisdom. Give us the spirit of wisdom. This is not wisdom that comes from books. This is not wisdom that comes from Google. This is wisdom, supernatural wisdom that comes directly from the Holy Spirit. The next dynamic gift is the word of knowledge. A word of knowledge is the Holy Spirit allowing you to know something specific that you didn't learn by natural means. In other words, you didn't read it in a book and no one told you about it. It's a supernatural transfer of information that you couldn't possibly know through natural processes. We see this in the story of Jesus talking to the woman at the well. As they're talking, he tells her to go get her husband. She says, I don't have a husband. He says, you've said correctly, you don't have a husband because you've had five husbands and the one you're with now is not your husband. Nobody told him that. She didn't drop that information in the conversation. It was the Spirit of God that revealed that to him and opened a way for him to minister to her. And that's really what this gift does a lot of times is it reveals something to you that opens a door for you to minister to someone in a specific way. The word of knowledge will never be given to embarrass someone. Understand this, the word of knowledge would never be given to embarrass someone. They are always given to edify to encourage, and to set captive people free. The word of knowledge often opens up the door for someone to receive what God is wanting to do for them. For instance, there may be a sickness in your body that I'm not aware of, but the Spirit of God may reveal it to me, and when I say it to you, it builds your faith that God is aware of it and that God is going to heal. And so a lot of times healing will piggyback on the word of knowledge. This is a gift that we have been able to see in our church over the past few years. I remember the very first Sunday that I received a word of knowledge in one of our church services. It came, I was not expecting it to happen, okay? It was a normal day having a church service. A lady was visiting our church she was new to our church she now attends our church but she came down for prayer as I was praying for her I saw her in my mind it was like a, a movie a mind movie if you will I saw in my mind her going to the mailbox and I said to her I said as I was praying for you I saw you go into the mailbox I said I don't know what that's about I have no idea and she just looked at me like you're an idiot and when I left church that day I was so mad I had a conversation with God on the 30-minute ride home. I said, God, I made a deal with you that if you show me something, I'll just say it. And I always pray like, God, allow my mind to be out of the way so that I know that I'm hearing from your spirit. But today, God, you allowed me to miss it. I mean, I was mad. The next Sunday, I'm at church. This lady walks up to me, and she says, you know, you were talking about me going to the mailbox. I said, yeah. She said, well, I went to my mailbox, and in the mailbox, there was a check for $10,000. She said, here's my tithe. I went, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> One time, I was in a hotel. We were at the Marriott. It was during an encounter. 
and we were in the room eating, and there was a waitress walking through. And as she was walking by, I just stopped to talk to her. As I was talking to her, I said, can I pray for you? As I was praying for her, I said, lay your hand on your stomach. Now, this is all just coming, okay? As I'm talking to her, this is just coming. It's not like a pre-programmed thing or it wasn't like a newsflash, word of knowledge is about to step into the room. None of that was happening. I'm just talking. I said, lay your hand on your stomach. So she laid her hand on her stomach, and I started to pray for her stomach that God would heal her. That was it. I said, amen. I didn't, understand. I didn't know there was a word of knowledge happening there. I walk out of the room. She's freaked out. She goes to my brother and she says, how did he know I had an issue with my stomach? And he says, it's because God revealed it to him. And it was an open door for her to be ministered to. One day I was in a restaurant with Randy. We were eating barbecue at Johnny's Barbecue there in Powder Springs. Anybody ever eaten at Johnny's Barbecue in Powder Springs? Yeah, some of the good, man. Uh, second only to Wallace Barbecue down there in the Austell area. L.A., lower Austell. Y'all go check it out. You'll thank me later. But we're in Johnny's Barbecue, and our waitress comes up. And when she comes to the table, I feel like you need to pray for her. That's just an awkward scenario. I mean, everybody wants to act like they've got, you know, oh, if that happens to me, I'll stand up. No, that was an awkward scenario. So I talked myself into that must have been my mind. And so I didn't, I didn't talk to her that day. Well, when I went home, I felt terrible that I did not talk to her. And so I started apologizing to God. I was like, God, obviously you wanted me to speak to her. I didn't. I'm so sorry. I'll go back there tomorrow. And, you know, if she's my waitress, I'll talk to her. So we go back the next day to eat lunch. She's not my waitress. She's there, but she's nowhere near me. It's almost like God saying, yesterday I made it easy. <laughs> Today you're going to have to go find her. So I get done with my meal, she's bussing a table, and I walked over to her, and I was like, this uh, may sound extremely odd, but when I was here yesterday, I felt like I should pray for you. And when I said that, she broke down crying, and she started telling me everything that she had been going through in her life, and I was able to pray for her and tell her how much Jesus loved her and that he was mindful of what she was going through. I can go through story after story after story like this, of times that God has revealed something that I was not aware of and he used it to open a door to minister to someone that he loved. So a, knowledge, a word of knowledge can direct you in how to pray for someone. Sometimes you're praying for someone and the Spirit of God will just lead you in that prayer to say things that you did not plan on saying and sometimes it may not even have any significance to you. Does that make sense? Like sometimes... Like if, if I'm praying for someone, I may be praying and I'm saying like, you know, God, I'm asking that you would just surround them with your peace and Lord, allow them to rest tonight like they've never rested before. I don't know that they have a sleep disorder. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know that. I just said it and it bears witness with them. So many times the word of knowledge will happen that way. The next is the discerning of spirits. Ephesians 6.12. The Bible says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Now, when Jesus was talking to Peter and he's telling his disciples about his upcoming death, Peter says, no, this ain't going to happen. Jesus recognizes 
the spirit that is influencing Peter at the time, and he addresses the spirit. That is why it is so important to allow the Holy Spirit to show us and allow us to discern the spirit that is behind what's happening. Because many times we get in arguments and fights with people and we attack people when it's the person's not the problem. It is the spirit that is moving them is the problem. So Jesus recognized the spirit and he addressed the spirit, not Peter. He addressed the spirit that was driving Peter. When Jesus would pray for sick people, many times you'll see through scripture where he'll pray and God will heal them. Other times he will cast out a spirit of infirmity. See, he understood this is not just a natural sickness. You're not, you know, you don't have a headache today because you're dehydrated. You've got a headache because there's a spiritual uh, work going on inside of you of darkness. It's a spiritual infirmity. And so he was able to discern that and cast it out. That's super beneficial when you're praying for things to understand if this is a natural thing that we're praying for or if there's a spirit behind this. Now, listen, I want to say this. I do not believe there's a devil in every doorknob. Some people get so kooky that there's a devil in everything, you know. <laughs> the camera didn't work today. There's a devil inside of it. No, it's just it's electronics, and sometimes they malfunction. I'm not saying that, <laughs> I'm not saying that you know, the, the enemy doesn't try to, to fight things like that. I'm just saying it's not always a devil coming against us. Sometimes it's just life being life. That's why we need to understand the difference, because it can direct how we pray. The second category of the dynamic gifts is this, the gift of faith, the gifts of healing, and the working of miracles. The gift of faith, uh, I want you to understand that we all have a measure of faith. When we come into Christ, we all have a measure of faith, and that faith can be increased through our prayer. That faith can be increased through the study of Scripture, the hearing of the Word of God builds our faith. But this is a supernatural faith needed for a certain task. It can come when everything around seems to be falling apart, but you have an inner peace and confidence. Anybody ever experienced that in your life? Like everything around you is going terribly wrong, but there's just this inner peace that I know everything's going to be okay. That could be the gift of faith working in your life. It's a supernatural faith that goes beyond your normal faith. The next is the gifts of healing. That is supernatural healing. That's not, uh, you know, I had um, cancer. I went to the doctor. The doctor cut it out. I'm healed. Okay? That's not the gift of healing. The gift of healing is a supernatural healing. Didn't happen through medicine. Didn't happen through a doctor. It happened because Jesus touched you. Okay? I think those are pretty self explanatory. So I want to um, move on to Mark 16, 17. The Bible says, and these signs, Jesus speaking, and these signs will accompany those who believe. Who do the signs accompany? Those who believe, those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. That means they'll have power over the work of Satan. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands, and they will drink deadly poison, and it will not hurt them. That means there's going to be divine protection. Now, some wackos, and I'm sorry if you used to be one of these, <laughs> some wackos take that verse and they're like, hey, let's play with snakes, show what kind of faith we got. That is not what Jesus is saying. 
Jesus is not saying, go out there and pick up a snake, and if you've got enough faith, it will not harm you. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, as you're going out to minister the gospel, you're going to encounter some stuff like Paul was shipwrecked. Paul was bitten by a viper, but it did not harm him. Why? Because you've got supernatural protection. So let's not, let's not go crazy here and think like, oh, okay, well, next week, bring the blue Kool-Aid in. We're all going to drink it. If you got faith, you'll live. If not, you'll die. <laughs> I saw a video on YouTube. I saw a video on YouTube where this guy was playing with uh, these snakes. And he's up there. And as he's got them, you know, they're doing the thing and dancing. And the snake pops him, like, in the <laughs> pops him in the neck. And he's like, I'm okay. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. And he's got everybody. Keep on praying. And then finally you see him, like, get woozy. <laughs> and they have, to, they have to, like, carry him out of the auditorium. That is, that is not what God is talking about, okay? Um, but <clears throat> if you would like to bring your snake next week, if that's the way you express yourself, I'm just kidding. Do not do it. I don't like snakes. I don't like snakes. When I was growing up, they always said that our church was a snake handling church. I hate snakes. So uh, anyway, he says, these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. That's the power over the work of Satan. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. That is divine protection. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. Who is this promise for? Those who believe. Category three is the declarative gifts. This are, you could say, the speech gifts. This would be the gift of prophecy, various kinds of tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. I want to talk about the gift of prophecy very quickly because the gift of prophecy is different than the office of a prophet. The gift of prophecy is different than the office of the prophet. There are many people who God will give the ability to prophesy and that does not make you a prophet. When it talks about prophecy, the gift of prophecy, it is bringing a word from God that will edify the church individually or corporately. So you could say that what we are doing here on Sunday mornings is a form of prophecy. It is the word of God being used to build you, to edify you, to equip you, okay? 1 Corinthians 14 verse 3 says, on the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. Now, how many of you know the office of the prophet never, not, didn't do that always? The, op, the office of the prophet a lot of times would bring doom and gloom, like you, you did this, now God says you're going to reap disaster. So the gift of prophecy is for us to build one another up. Then he says there's various kinds of tongues. And I want you to know, notice that Paul writes various kinds of of tongues. This is important to understand because a lot of misinformation that has been given around the subject of speaking in tongues is because people don't understand that there are various kinds of tongues. I want to show you three different kinds of tongues in the scripture. The first is found on the day of Pentecost. The Bible says in Acts 2 verse 1 through 11, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire 
appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at the sound of this, the multitudes came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. Are you getting that? Every person that came from a different place was hearing about the goodness of God in their language. Now, some would say that these people were actually speaking that language. Others would say that it was a spiritual ability to speak in a tongue and the hearer heard in their language. I'll let y'all debate that on your own because I'm good with either. All I know is it was supernatural. I mean, if I start speaking French today, that's not me. That's God. If I start speaking in tongues and you understand French today, that's not me. That's God. And so they were all amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear that we hear? So that's, that's where I lean. If you want to know where I lean, I lean on the fact that they were speaking. They were not speaking the language. They were speaking in tongues, and they heard. Because it says, uh, are they not all Galileans? How is it that we hear, each of us, in his own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, uh, Phygeria and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya be- belonging to the Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. So this kind of tongue was used to convey the message of God to people that would not have been able to understand it in the apostles' language. My great-grandfather experienced this. He was Armenian. They came over from Armenia. They moved to California. While they were in California, there was a meeting going on called the Azusa Street. My great-grandfather was in the area, and he heard this guy talking about Jesus in Armenian. And so my great-grandfather got so excited because he loved the Lord, he ran up to talk to this man in Armenian, and as the conversation started, he realized this man did not know Armenian. He was hearing Armenian through the power of the Holy Spirit moving upon that person. I've also heard stories where people were in a church service, they're from a different country, they don't understand the language, and somebody in the congregation just felt the, 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 the need to pray in the, in the Spirit through the service. They weren't making a big show, they weren't a big spectacle, no one really knew what was going on, they just kind of quietly mumbled to themselves, but somebody sitting right there next to them did not know the language, and they were interpreting the sermon through the power of the Holy Spirit. A friend of mine Uh, tells a story where he was at a YMCA and they were trying to witness to this Greek man. And this Greek man had no real understanding of what they were trying to say, but they got him to come to church. And during the service, a lady stood up and started praying in tongues. Well, there was no interpretation given, but at the end of the service, the Greek man ran to the altar. And they're like, Yesterday we were trying to tell you about Jesus and you had like no concept of salvation or what this was all about. But today you ran to, and he explained to them 
that this lady was speaking Greek and told him about his childhood and his family and told him that he needed to give his life to the Lord, go back to Greece, and lead his family to the Lord. That's supernatural power right there. And that was used through the first kind. The second kind of tongue is a personal prayer language. I'm wanting you to see these are different. The second is a personal prayer language. 1 Corinthians 14.2 For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. Do you see the difference there? Paul is saying, for the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. Well, in Acts, the second chapter, who were they speaking to? Men. They were telling other people about the goodness of God. Right here, Paul is saying, that's not what's happening. Right here, this is you talking to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. The question that we have to raise is, why would this gift be beneficial to the believer? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14.4, The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Jude 1.20 says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. So the first benefit is it builds me up. I personally believe, and if you disagree with me, it's okay. This is one of those issues that it's okay for us to disagree on and still come into fellowship with the faith. I believe that the personal prayer language is available to every believer. And two of the reasons I believe that, there are many more, but two of the reasons that I believe that are found right here. 1 Corinthians 14.4, whoever speaks in a tongue builds himself up. Jude 1.20, build yourself up in your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. How many of you believe that God wants us to all be built up? So that's why I would say this is available to everyone. Some people never step into it and operate in it because they have fear or they have misunderstanding or they think like, well, if I yield myself to that, then what if I'm at Kroger one day and I just start shouting out in tongues, people are going to think I'm crazy. It doesn't really work that way, okay? You control that. Just like right now you can control whether or not you shout out hello or amen to me, you control whether or not you're going to pray in tongues. Did you know that? Well, now you do. <laughs> Now let's go to Ephesians 6. So the, first, so the first benefit is it builds us up. Ephesians 6. This is where Paul is listing the armor of God. You're going to notice something that you may have not seen before unless you've heard me preach. I'm going to start in verse 17 of Ephesians 6. He says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And right after it, it says, God Watch this in verse 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Praying in the Spirit is a part of the armor of God that he's given us. Many people separate that verse, but there's no period there. It says, which is the word, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, comma, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. The Bible says in Romans 8, 26, likewise the spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, 
but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know, see, this is the verse that everybody digs into, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good for those who are called according to his purpose. Why? Because the Spirit of God is praying on our behalf things that we're not even aware of, and he is working it out for us. So we know that things are going to work out to our good. Sometimes when we pray in our natural mind, it's like a shotgun blast. You know, God help them and help them and help them and help Ukraine and, you know, make sure my tacos are good today. You know, it's like a shotgun blast. And that's good. Like, we should pray that way. But when we pray in the spirit, it's like a sighted in rifle. He's hitting the target dead on because he's praying through us in our weakness with, with groanings too deep for words. Not only is it beneficial, but again, I believe that this is available to everyone who has received Jesus Christ into their life. The third kind of tongue is to be coupled with the third dynamic gift, which is the interpretation of tongues. This kind of tongue is a message from God delivered in a heavenly language and should be followed by an interpretation. Now, again, I want you to notice the difference. The first is a message from God to the people, no interpretation needed because the Spirit of God is interpreting it to them. The second is a private prayer language, no need for interpretation. The third is within a public setting, God is going to release a word directly from heaven, and there needs to be an interpretation so that we can get the information, right? So this is God speaking through someone, not a personal prayer to God. 1 Corinthians 14, 5 says, Now I want you all to speak in tongues. This is Paul. I want you to all speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. What he's leading up to here is in public worship, it would be better for someone to speak in a language that you understand than for someone to stand up here and speak in tongues the whole time. I could take 30 minutes up here and speak in tongues like this and walk around and I'll be building myself up but you're going to think I'm out of my mind you're not going to get any benefit unless there's an interpretation so Paul is saying in a format like this it would be better to speak words that are understandable 1 Corinthians 14 13 through 15 therefore one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret for if I pray in a tongue my spirit prays but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do with this? He says, I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing praise with my mind also. 1 Corinthians 14, 27. If any speak in a tongue, let there only be two, or at most three, and each in turn let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in the church and speak to himself and to God. Now, here's where a lot of bad teaching has come around this. Because I've heard, I've heard people that I'm friends with teach on this topic, and they miss it. They use this verse to say there should be no speaking in tongues within the church unless there's an interpretation, because that's what Paul says. 
But what they're missing is Paul is talking about the third version of that. He's talking about you just standing up and shouting out in tongues. Unless the Spirit of God's moving upon you and there's going to be an interpretation, then there's no reason to do that. However, during worship, if you want to pray or sing in tongues, and that's between you and God. You're not, you're not causing a scene. You're not interrupting the, the sermon. Are you, you following what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's not going to cause a scene, and he's not going to cause things to be not in order. Okay? So this is not, again, I want to say, this is not forbidding speaking in tongues in a church. Because some people will come in and be like, well, I heard them praying over there, and there was no interpretation. Somebody told me that one time, Cameron, they were, y'all were having your prayer with the band. And you were praying in tongues, which Cameron received the gift of speaking in tongues while attending our church. And if you got more questions about it, you can talk to him about it. But uh, he was, before service, the band was praying, and he started praying in tongues, and somebody came up to me, they're like, there was no interpretation. I'm like, there was no interpretation needed. He was praying between him and God. Okay? Again, there's a difference. Now, if Cameron starts standing up right now and, and doing that, then there needs to be an interpretation. And if there isn't an interpretation, then he's out of line. And I'll say, Cameron, back it off, bro. (laughs) That's why why Pentecostal churches tend to be, like, really fruity. I mean, I'll I'll tell you. Like, you you will draw all kind of nut jobs. Like, people who are just, like, attention seekers will come into churches and feel like this is their license to, like, do what they want to do. It's not. Everything has to be done decently and in order. 1 Corinthians 14, 39 says this. So, my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy. Oh, my goodness. Is this? Oh, okay. I just wanted to make sure. Earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. But all things should be done decently and in order. As we close this morning, I want to point your attention back to the first verse of this chapter. Paul says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. The gifts of the Spirit are gifts that we should desire for ourselves, and we should desire them for the church. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are still relevant today. Nowhere in Scripture does it say that they ceased or will cease while we're here on this earth. The verse that people use for their argument is found in the 13th chapter where Paul is addressing the motivation for the gifts. He lays out this beautiful thing about love, and he says this. He says, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. He's saying when Christ returns, there will be no need for the gifts. But love will remain. But as long as we're here on this earth, we need the gifts to accomplish his work. They say, well, they just needed those gifts to build the church. Well, what are we still trying to do? Build the church. 
There are still sick people that need to be healed. There are still lost people that need to be found. There are still bound people that need to be delivered, and we're not the source. The Holy Spirit is the source. And the more we lean into the Holy Spirit and develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit and create an atmosphere and an environment for the Holy Spirit to move, the more people we're going to see transformed and saved. That is why praise and worship is so important. Hear what I'm saying. That is why praise and worship is so important because we are creating an atmosphere for the Spirit of God to move. We're creating a space that says, Holy Spirit, you are welcome and you are needed. And I promise you, there will be a difference within a service where people are worshiping and praying and expecting to see God move and an atmosphere where God's doing nothing. I've been in meetings before where I start to pray for people and the longer we go in prayer, the stronger the power of the Spirit gets. And I've seen people like get up and just walk out of the room. They're not, they're not willing to wait on what God is wanting to do in their life, and they end up missing it. We've got we've to, listen, I understand, like, we all have lives and, like, church service that, you know, we have stuff to do, but we can't get so caught up in what we're wanting to do after service that we miss what God's wanting to do right now. Because what if your breakthrough was coming right now? As a matter of fact, would you just stand to your feet with me? I want to pray. I want to pray for you, whatever it is that you are going through right now in your life, in your marriage, in your home, or your business, I want to believe that the God that we've been talking about today, the Holy Spirit that we've been talking about today, would touch you, that he would fill you, that he would change you, that he would transform you, and that he would empower you. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman, and he will never step into an environment where he is unwelcome. The way that you start moving into the gifts of the Spirit is by spending time with the Spirit. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we welcome you into our homes. We welcome you into our lives. Father, we welcome you into our marriages. Lord, we want to live the life that you have designed for us. And we understand that that life is a spirit-led, spirit-filled life. So, God, right now, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you would fill your people with spirit the Spirit. God, we ask right now in the name of Jesus that you would begin to stir up the gifts that are on the inside of your people, whether whether they're watching online or listening to the podcast or they're in this building. God, we agree right now in the name of Jesus that they are going to go to a new level and a new understanding. And God, that you're going to begin to meet them at the point of their need. Father, we ask that you would begin to release wisdom. We ask that you would begin to release knowledge. God, we ask that you would begin to put the words in our mouth that we need to say to someone else to encourage them, to build them up, let them know that there is a life worth living in Christ Jesus. God, do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen.